welcome back to another episode of The Silent Battle. I hope everyone is having a great week so far. Today is going to be a wonderful segment. Again, I am your host, Erica Honeycutt, and today I will be interviewing Beth Cooper from Edinburgh, Indiana. Beth was diagnosed with undetermined interstitial lung disease. However, on March 22nd of this year, 2023, Beth received the most precious gift, two new lungs from a selfless donor. Today, she is going to share her raw and candid story about her journey with ILD and how she managed her symptoms and also share how she is feeling now since receiving her double lung transplant. Also, she will give us some tips, if she has any, on what may help you all out there to live life more easily as we battle our autoimmune diseases. Let's get started. Welcome, Beth. Thank you for being part of the Silent Battle podcast today. Thank you. It's good to be here. Beth, can you again tell our listeners what the name of your autoimmune disease was and share your story with us regarding when this autoimmune disease showed up in your life? Okay, well, I just recently turned 59 years old, and um, a year prior, in fact, it was Valentine's Day 2022, I was start, I, at work, I thought, you know, I don't feel too good, so I went and had a chest x-ray, thinking that I had maybe bronchitis or pneumonia, mm-hmm. and I was running a temperature, um, and I also had noticed I was having trouble walking up the stairs, I was getting really winded and out of breath. Well, the x-ray showed some, what they call honeycombing mm-hmm. scarring in my lungs. And the doctor there, you know, was asking me all kinds of questions. It was just a, like a prompt care. And he advised me that I needed to see a pulmonologist. Mm-hmm. So, um, long story short, I got on antibiotics, went to a pulmonologist who then ordered CT scans of my lungs. And also she ordered some blood work. Um, at my next appointment, um, I was told I had interstitial lung disease, which I had never heard of before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also tested positive for lupus with the blood panel that she had done. Oh. Um, and, you know, as most of us know, lupus is a disease, an autoimmune disease that can attack any organ. Right. So she told me that most likely I had the lupus, didn't realize I had it, and the lupus attacked my lungs. So... Um, she said, usually she has people that come in there and say, I have lupus and I'm having trouble breathing. Me, I went in there going, I am having trouble breathing and oh, lo and behold, it must be lupus. So Hmm. that's how I found everything out. And when you were diagnosed with the interstitial lung disease, how did you manage your symptoms after that? Well, um, it, I mainly the oxygen, she, um, they gave me a walking test, a six-minute walking test, which all of us that have been through this know that famous six-minute walking test where they um, test your oxygen levels. And mine came back really low and low enough that I needed to be put on oxygen. And that Mm -hmm. that was a really tough day. Um, So I went on oxygen, and then she also gave me some medicines, uh, prednisone for one, to kind of manage what was going on. so yeah, it, it was a lot to take in when I was, I was going to the doctor for was bronchitis and get on the antibiotic. I didn't expect all this. Right. Um, and was it hard adjusting to taking medications for uh, the disease? Because, you know, I when I was diagnosed, um, you know, I was 26 and I didn't have um, any health problems, you know, prior to... Uh, being diagnosed and so 
um, I never took any medicine. So it was a it was a very big adjustment adjustment for me to go from taking no medicines to medications. Um, so I, I, was it hard for you to do the same or? Well, I was on medicines for my allergies and mm -hmm. I also have acid reflux. So I'm on medicine um, to reduce the acid in my stomach. And so I was used to taking those. In right. fact, it was allergists who um, got me into my second pulmonologist. My first, first pulmonologist had a waiting list that was kind of long for me to get back in. And my mm -hmm. rheumatologist and my um, allergist had become friends and they were worried about me. So she referred me to my second pulmonologist and, you know, thank God for her. Cause if right. I had a, I probably wouldn't have new lungs right now. So, yeah. When did the ILD take a turn towards you needing a lung transplant? Well, I, um, went with my daughter and her friends. Sorry, I'm getting a phone call on here. Let me end it. Uh, send a voicemail. Sorry about that. No, that's okay. I went to uh, out to eat with my daughter and some friends for a birthday party downtown Indianapolis. Um, and it was in July and it was a really hot and humid day that day. Mm -hmm. And I had concentrator with me. And at that time, my exertion, I was on a three. Um, and I noticed, you know, walking into the restaurant that I was kind of winded, but, you know, I was like, okay, I can do this. And so after we were done, we were leaving, and the, the car was parked literally just half a block away. And my daughter says, you want me to go get it? And I said, I think I can do it. I didn't get maybe 20 feet, and I was having trouble breathing, and I checked my O2 level, and it was in the 50s. Oh, my word. So I realized then, okay, we've got a problem. So um, I asked her to take me to IU Methodist. Mm -hmm. They're called officially IU Health Methodist now because um, I knew my – my secondary pulmonologist worked out of there and I thought, you know, we'll take me there so they can at least get some records on me. Mm -hmm. And so I did. And, um, then when I saw my new pulmonologist, which is wonderful, Dr. Benti at IU Methodist, he, um, realized right away that, you know, I was progressing pretty quickly and they upped my oxygen to eight liters with exertion and three at rest. Um, and he was a little concerned that my other pulmonologist couldn't get me in to adjust my oxygen levels. So mm. there's that in a nutshell, too. But, um, yeah, and it was in September that I saw him. And then on October, um, I was able to see the lung transplant team and, um, you know, talk to them and go through all the trainings. There's lots of trainings, a lot of good information. Mm -hmm. Give you a manual that's got all this information in it. And, um you know, they went over all the pros and cons and asked, they said they thought I was definitely a candidate as long as I passed all the health screenings mm -hmm. and that, um, I needed to just, you know, decide whether or not I was willing to go forward with it. And my husband said, if she decides not to go forward with it, how much time do you think she let, she has? And he, and this was Dr. Denlinger, who's the main surgeon there. He said, maybe a year. Mm. And I was like, well, okay, we're getting lungs. <laughs> There's no choice on this one. So they were alarmed at how quickly mine was progressing. Yeah. Uh, so that's basically, you know, everything that mm -hmm. happened when I found out that I needed the lung transplant. Um, I did all the health screenings and 
in the health screenings, um, they found a lump in my thyroid, which I had never had my thyroid checked before. Mm -hmm. And, um, come to find out it was, it was cancerous or precancerous. So they, um, said I needed to have my thyroid removed because, and I know, you know, Erica, but the medications that you're on after lung transplant, if you have any like preexisting cancer, um, it could spark the cancer on to grow quicker. Yes. So um, I had that removed in December because I think in December they were thinking I was going to have my lung transplant, but that pushed it back. Mm-hmm. And in February I was approved um, for my lung transplant, and I had they called me 30 days later, and I had it on March 22nd. I'm so happy for you. I'm so excited you. that you. I'm excited that you uh, received your your new lungs and. How do you feel now since having your double lung transplant? I feel good. I feel, uh, you know, it's you're full of emotions, you know, yes. one day to, and it's, it's, I guess the best word to say is it's just overwhelming at times. Um, it's so nice to be able to breathe without this long oxygen tube coming out of your nose and dragging something everywhere or tripping over cords. Absolutely. That part is wonderful. Um, but the, it's, it's not easy either. Um, there are hard days, you know, mm-hmm. I'm on a feeding tube. Um, they also know that I have, because of my acid reflux, I have a hiatal hernia and they need to um, fix that. And it's called Nissen surgery. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm, they're scheduling me to get that. So they put me on a feeding tube thinking that I'd have trouble digesting food, which I did. Mm-hmm. And um, I go back in for an evaluation at the end of the month for that to see if they can take that out. So I haven't really been able to eat solid food. Oh, so that that part is probably the hardest for me right now. Yes. Um, especially being around others that are eating. <laughs> yes. I've lost some weight, though. But <laughs> the nutrition that they give you, um, I take it at night, and it's it's been good. I mean, it's kept me healthy and um, gotten me through this far so but I'm anxious to get that out and then get that uh, surgery the scheduled. yeah um, GI problems I hear well I know just from just you know from where I had the transplant they're the worst um, when it comes to having lung transplant um, so um, you know definitely I've had trouble um, with acid reflux with um, just lots of just GI issues, stomach upset, nausea. Um, and so the nesis has been brought up as well with me. So I definitely understand what you're going through as far as with the GI upset. It's, it's not fun at all. It's very hard. Um, there there are some causes for ILD out there that is from acid reflux. So mm -hmm. mine, um, when they took my lungs out, the Dr. Denlinger said they were in worse shape than he thought. Um, he said they were smaller than what he thought, and they were in worse shape than what he thought. So they, um, and I didn't know this, of course, until after surgery, and they told me, but he um, actually took, opted to take both my lungs out mm-hmm. before putting the new lungs in. So they had me on the ECMO machine. So it must have been because I was under, you know, he didn't want to take a chance, and well, I'm glad he did. I'm glad we got the surgery when we did, too. Right. Yeah, it was a little, little scary hearing about it now, but I'm very, very thankful and blessed. Um, it's just, it's been a, it's 
been a long road in a year, which is fast for some people, but it's, it's been a lot. Absolutely, but you made it. That's the thing. Yes, and so did you. Yes. <laughs> Hanging um, in. Yes. What challenges did you face, not only physically, but mentally when diagnosed with ILD and versus, you know, having a lung transplant as well? Right. Well, I tell you, first thing you do when you find out you have something that you never heard of is you Google it, right? So right. I did that to get inform- all the information I can, and it was kind of scary to hear that um, most people with ILD only make it three to five years. And yeah. that's a statistic that comes up when you Google it. Since then, I have found out that that's from a long time ago. That was the average, and most people because of awareness and medications and oxygen and so forth are living longer today. Yes. Um, so that part, um, you know, was a little little concerning, but I kept reading and reading and didn't stop with just the first thing I read. Um, and I also um, got on Facebook and the social groups that have to deal with lung transplants and mm-hmm. ILD and um, also the lupus. Um, the lupus, I never had the butterfly scarring on the face like they say some people do. Right. But I did have a weird kind of red scar on my neck um, the autumn before I was diagnosed. And so I told them about that, and they said that could be part of it. But, again, I have I have two doctors now that are saying they're not 100% sure it's lupus. They think it's, it is an autoimmune disease. They're just not sure it's that one because mm. I guess they don't have enough indicators or whatever. Um, which is odd. Autoimmune diseases are so tough they to are. and work with. But for the lupus, I would get these really bad back aches, um, especially in the evening. Like my body was just done for the day. And I noticed if I'd lay on a heating pad or something, um, that seemed to help. And also taking, you know, um, well, at the time I was taking a leave. I can't take a leave anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, we have Tylenol after double lung surgery. It's just yeah. by now. Um, but, yeah, it, it was a lot. But my rheumatologist was wonderful helping me with muscle spasms and medicines for that before surgery as far as the lupus goes. Good, good. And um, how has your support system been through everything from you having ILD to now transplanted lungs? My support system has been wonderful. My husband was able to, he had to have um, back surgery done. I think he had it done in November or December mm-hmm. for now. But um, So we had that going on on top of everything else. So he was able to take off some time for himself as well. And then he had some um, SL uh, special leave time. I forget what they call it in his work. Mm-hmm. Where he could stay at home and, and without pay and help me out. So he's um, actually getting ready to go back to work here soon because I was just able to start driving on my own. So that kind of frees me up a little bit, and I don't have to rely on him quite as much. Besides him, though, I also had my sister, a good friend of mine, and my daughter, and they've been wonderful. You know, if I need something, I call them. And when we had all the trips back and forth every day to pulmonary rehab at IU Methodist, Mm -hmm. it's 35, 40 minute drive from our house. So, um, on the days that he needed to do things, they'd drive here to get me and then take me up there and then take me back and help me clean the house and do things like that. So, um, having a support team is just very, very important. Um, 
I, I don't think I can stress that enough because you aren't able to do everything you used to do. Right. <laughs> now I'm still not able to do everything I used to do. So you got to let some things go. But yeah, the support team is very important. That's amazing that you had or that you have such a good support system. And, you know, when you go through things like interstitial lung disease and, and then lung transplant, you need a good support system. You, I mean, it's vital. And so um, I'm so glad that you, that you had that for you. And you. what do you think is most important for our listeners that are battling their autoimmune diseases to know? Well, I want to say, with my experience, um, if you're not satisfied with what one doctor says or if they can't get you in and you know you're not doing well, then you need to seek a second opinion. And I would strongly recommend doing some research and finding the nearest hospital to you that does um, lung transplants. Um, I'm so glad I I went to IU Health uh, Methodist when I did. Yes. Uh, because it opened the door for me and they listened and they understood. And I'm not sure, you know, there are that many doctors out there that understand as much as they do because that's what they do all day long. You know, they specialize in it. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'd highly recommend doing that. And, um, you know, everybody's different. Everybody has their own genes, their own backgrounds, so forth. Um, You just don't compare yourself to others because when we were in rehab, Mm -hmm. there's two ladies in there that um, were getting ready to get, you know, graduate out of rehab. And I was in there a shorter amount of time than some of them. I graduated above a couple others. And I just, the whole time I'm sitting there feeling sorry for them. Like, I hope they're not thinking anything, but I I did take my rehab seriously Mm -hmm. before, uh, going into the hospital and after I'm trying to, um, and it does make you stronger and I'm not saying anything bad about them. It's just everybody heals at a different rate. Right. Uh, So, you know, try not to compare yourself to others, but yet you need to be able to talk to others too. Just Mm -hmm. like this podcast is wonderful and the um, social media sites and so forth. So it's good to be able to talk to others so they understand what you're going through as well. Absolutely. And, you know, that is a very great point that you brought up because um, when I was in the hospital uh, with my double lung transplant, I had, um, you know, I had a really rough time in the beginning when I first uh, got my lungs. Um, Unfortunately, my body rejected my lungs in the beginning. So that set me back quite a quite a bit of time for and that's why I was in the hospital for two and a half months but then I was seeing other people who were getting their lungs that were up walking and were doing all these things and you know they were getting out of the hospital a lot sooner and I began to compare myself like why am I not doing as well as them why am I not you know getting out walking and 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 that can make you really feel you can really get down on yourself if you start comparing yourself to other people. So don't do that. Everybody, like you said, Beth, they, they, um, you know, everyone is different and everyone heals at their own, you know, at their own, in their own timing. And, you know, just always remember that, like you don't, don't compare yourself to other people because you're, everyone's different. And so I'm so glad that you brought that up. Yeah. 
Oh, and I want to bring up something else, too. I also found out after they took my lungs out, they did biopsies of them, mm-hmm. and it undetermined, as you said at the beginning, as to what exactly caused my ILD. I thought for sure it was just going to be lupus. They know lupus or whatever autoimmune disease I have is at least part of it because mm-hmm. the honeycomb. But I had other types of scars, too. They found a cancer, um, cancerous tumor, a small one, in my left lung. Mm-hmm. So... Um, you know, it, it's I, I, it's God, in my opinion, that had my lungs taken out and my thyroid taken out because I wouldn't have known I had cancer otherwise. So hopefully that's all the cancer and it's all gone now. <laughs> absolutely. Well, you seem to be doing absolutely amazing. You can't, I mean, I cannot tell you how excited and happy I am for you. <laughs> Thank you. I am for you as well. I know you've had a long, hard road. And, Thank um, you. I, I just... I thank you for this podcast, too, because I think it helps a lot of people. I know it's helped me quite a bit. Well, I'm so glad, and that's the goal. I want people to feel like they have somewhere to go to, a platform where they don't feel alone, and they hear other people that are going through the same thing or similar uh, to what they're going through. And so I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. That makes me feel really good. Um, okay. Do you have anything else you want to share or add to today's segment? Um, let me see. I've got some notes here. Let me look at them real quickly and see if there's anything else. So I just, I want to say, you know, listen to your bodies. You know, if something doesn't feel right, don't push it aside. You know, if you're having trouble walking upstairs and you're winded, go to your at least primary doctor. Okay. And, and which that's something I did not do. I just thought, Oh, I'm getting older. I put on a few pounds, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I was getting ready to retire in a few years. I had to retire early um, because of all this. And, you know, just listen to your body. You know your body better than than anyone else. Absolutely. And, yeah. Well, Beth, don't be ask questions, I guess, too. Yeah. And, you know, you're exactly right. Um, don't wait. That's the thing. Don't don't let you know if you have if you're having symptoms even if you don't think that they're there's nothing terribly brewing you don't never you, you never know so don't wait go ahead and get checked out absolutely oh and i thought of something else too um a lot of autoimmune diseases especially lupus runs in the families mm-hmm. and uh, women tend to get it more than men for some reason so i have had my daughter and my sister go get checked, and they both have tested positive for some type of autoimmune disease. They haven't pinpointed lupus for Mm -hmm. either one of them. So there is something that's running in our bloodline, and that's important to know, too. Yes, it is. Thank you for that. Um, And, Beth, again, I just want to say I appreciate you so much for coming on here today with me and allowing me to interview you. It was such a pleasure talking to you, and I know that this interview really educated and helped a lot of listeners out there. I hope so. I I know it helps me listening to others as well, so hopefully I can help somebody out there. Well, I'm sure you did, and remember, if you out there have any questions or comments, please email me at thesilentbattle2022 at gmail.com, and always remember, life is tough, but so are you. Everyone have a great rest of the day. Thanks again, Beth. Thank you, Erica. Thank you so much. You're so welcome.